A senior U.S. State Department official is set to visit Seoul today to discuss economic security issues. The scope is large and high stakes, including supply chain resilience, bilateral technology cooperation, and easing of what Seoul considers discriminatory provisions for Korean EVs in the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. Today, it's worth examining what's expected of the visit and its larger implications in the Korea-U.S. supply chain context. For this, we're joined by Professor Kim Byung-ju of the Hankook University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So let's talk about this high-profiled visit. We have the U.S. Undersecretary for Economic Growth, Energy, and Environment, Jose Fernandez, visiting Korea today. Many media reports suggested he is coming to pressure the Korean government to cooperate more closely with the United States in reshuffling of the global supply chains. How fair would you say this observation is? Yeah, uh, to get a better sense of this question, I guess uh, the title, job title, Undersecretary for Economic Growth, Energy and Environment, that's a pretty wide in scope. Mm-hmm. And so just like his job title says, it looks like his visit this time to Korea um, covers many other issues uh, in addition to the global supply chain, uh, looks like. And he's also... Uh, spending what uh, he's coming today and then he'll be leaving uh, Wednesday and he's visiting Japan too. So if we look into his itinerary uh, altogether, two country visits combined, looks like he's going to be covering a lot of different ground in addition to the global supply chain. As you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the clean energy transformation, Mm -hmm. um, climate cooperation, and the new technology protection uh, all different things will be on the table in terms of his agenda. And in addition to that, I mean, on the table, when he meets with, uh, for instance, I think he's meeting with uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, Korean Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, uh, second vice minister. So mm-hmm. they'll be talking about all these different things. But in addition to that, he also will be meeting with uh, the Korean business ex- executives through American Chamber of Commerce meeting here. Uh, so that's uh, pretty wide in scope. He will be doing similar things in Japan, too. He will be attending the fifth uh, annual Indo-Pacific Business Forum in Japan, and also he will be meeting with Japanese business leaders through the American Chamber of Commerce Japan's uh, program as well. So pretty wide scope. But, of course, uh, you know, we are talking about the global supply chain issue because that kind of... Uh, tops the agenda list mm. and uh, when, you know, business community as well has the, the biggest stake in that. Not only business community, but country, this country as a whole uh, is very much con- concerned and has very much interest in how things happen in global supply chain issue, for sure. Mm. Uh, specifically regarding the global supply chain issue, uh, some reports say that Undersecretary Fernandez will talk about open RAN. Uh, first of all, I think it's worth clarifying for our listeners because I barely grasped 5G. What is Open RAN? <laughs> <laughs> open RAN stands for Open Radio Access Network. And what, what it does is the following. Uh, let's look at the picture through which, uh, you know, you, since you mentioned 5G here mm-hmm. and mobile service. Uh, we have our devices in our hands. And then, you know, there are telecom service product providers such as SKT, KT, and LGU Plus and so on. And the way we, uh, our mobile phones are connected to their service is through what we call 
BTS. It's not a music group, BTS, but uh, <laughs> it's a bass transceiver station, uh, what we call Kijiguk here in Korea. Right. And so uh, they call it BTS or just a bass station, but uh, Kijiguk uh, has to connect us uh, between the users and the telephone service. And this has been a, a long-standing issue because every time uh, telecom service providers come up with new service like 3G, 4G, 5G, 6G, uh, of course you need different devices of connecting, uh, you know, for this uh, base station. Mm. Uh, so with the emergence of 5G, uh, what's happening is in the past when you set up new network services by setting up new kind of devices for base stations. You, uh, telecom service providers used to do what they, what used to be called packaging service. You know, there will be technology device providers who will be working for this telecom service company saying, oh, we will provide you with this, this uh, base station hardware, software. We will connect you to the users. Mm. That's a package deal. And they say, because it's a package deal, there's a rocket, uh, lock-in effect. Uh, once you choose certain, uh, you know, device and service provider, you go with that. They use their own device. They use they use their own uh, software. What happened is, because of this uh, lock-in effect through package deals, every time when you set up new kind of services, of course the cost goes up. You have to look for a new service provider or the same same device provider with uh, different packages every time. Mm. So solution is Open RAN. Open RAN is, as I mentioned, open radio access network. Mm. It breaks down the package. Mm. So basically by introducing uh, certain standards, uh, global standards or country standards, you come up with the same kind of standards for which different manufacturers, different soft develop software developers can uh, you know, develop these things in uh, that meets the specs specifications mm. of this standard. So, uh, as a result of it, the you know you can try different sources and uh, higher competition, lower price, mm. and that's mm. what United States is pushing for. United States is saying basically, let's go with this. Let's have a common standard. Mm. The catch is, however. China will be excluded from it. So, so United States is forming an alliance of this open RAN worldwide without China. Okay, so in the wake of increasing presence of Chinese companies, the U.S. wants to keep them in check. So uh, that seems to be once again uh, bringing into question South Korea's tricky balance between the U.S.-China struggle for more power. How, how is the U.S. Undersecretary of State going to present the issue in South Korea mm-hmm. then? Right, right, right. Uh, we hear reports that he's be actually meeting with SK Telecom mm-hmm. and KT and other executives here in Korea, and mm. specifically talking about 5G, 6G uh, market and the need for open RAN for 5G and 6G going over and beyond this packaging, the traditional packaging system, and then the, the, the lock-in effect that we have had. So he'll be directly speaking to Korean business, business community leaders. Uh, in You know, basically what happened is, uh, uh, I think it was, so last year, May, when Pro- President Biden visited Korea, he, his uh, joint statement with Yoon Sung-yeol, President Yoon, actually mentioned this open RAN. And people were wondering, what is open RAN? <laughs> and at that time, you know, like, we, we, 
this is not a household name, but mm-hmm. it was a part of the joint presidential statements when he met with President Yoon for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, like 15 days, 10 days after his inauguration. Mm-hmm. So uh, it became an issue. But the thing is, uh, since then, of course, business leaders, they have their ties with traditional suppliers of uh, hardware and software. So Korean business, they feel, the U- U.S. side may feel that have been rather slow mm-hmm. in bringing change for open land. So uh, Undersecretary Fernandez is going to be meeting with uh, business leaders here, pushing uh, for this issue again. That's how it's gonna, going to operate, I suppose. Okay. Uh, because we have so many grounds to cover, I want to get uh, our listeners to our next question, too. Uh, telecom is not the only industry where companies are told to rethink, yep. reconsider their ties with China. In fact, a perhaps much better known case would be the semiconductor industry. Right. Uh, in, in the industries that use semiconductors, probably best known, PC making, we see this happening already. We hear world's leading PC makers, such as Dell and Apple, mm-hmm. reducing ties with China. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what we're hearing is, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the leading uh, manufacturers of mm-hmm. PC, Dell, and well, when we say Apple, we usually think about iPhones. But the thing is, uh, Apple produced uh, MacBooks, and that's pretty, pretty big uh, for the, you know, the laptop market. So right. uh, Dell, Apple, HP, Hewlett Packard, mm-hmm. uh, even you know, traditionally known as, uh, you know, like software side leaders like uh, Google and Meta. The thing is. Uh, they also need uh, these, what they call these server products and so on. So all these big name uh, players, whether you're thinking about traditional IT manufacturers or platform business or whatever, whatever. Uh, even Microsoft and Amazon, uh, their reports about these leading companies all trying to kind of move out of China, uh, diversify their production and service facilities out of China into countries like, uh, you know, ASEAN uh, economies like Thailand, Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, and even, you know, other areas, of course, Taiwan comes in close, and then even, uh, you know, Latin America, like Mexico, and so on. So uh, a lot of things are happening uh, as we speak. And we recently heard from Japanese news source uh, Nikkei, that Dell has announced a quite a radical decision that is they want to stop using any kind of semiconductor produced in China. So what that means is the parts suppliers that, that supply parts to Dell computers, they'll have to use start using semiconductors produced elsewhere other than China starting from next year. So that is a big deal indeed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are watching closely. But but beyond over and beyond this, you know, open announcement of surprising decisions, as I mentioned, under the cover, there have been a lot of different moves, like uh, Apple moving their uh, MacBook production from China to Vietnam, at least big part, of, you know, big part of it or increasing portions of it, uh, and uh, different kinds of Apple products going over and beyond MacBooks, like iPhones, even uh, iPad and Apple Watch uh, moves quickly uh, moving their productions uh, away from China to mm-hmm. countries like India and so on. So uh, this we've been hearing about this for years now, but we now have uh, really tangible moves that we can see in the business uh, world. So mm-hmm. uh, when we say global supply chain uh, reshuffling, it is indeed happening. We can see that.
Mm. And where does South Korea take its cues also comes a big question. Um, I do have to ask you a big picture question today as well. How do we evaluate the U.S. efforts to isolate China from the global economic division of labor so far then? Right. Uh, You know, depending on whom you ask, there have been a lot of words saying, oh, United States is talking about this all along. (laughs) But, you know, it will be difficult to see real change in actual market. And uh, these skeptics often make their reference to what we have seen back in uh, late 80s and early 1990s when when Japan was China then. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, you know, Japan was a real, mm. yeah, almost enemy for the United States, mm. challenger against U- U.S. primacy. And and uh, United States was doing all these different things. Mm. And some people say, well, that, that those efforts resulted in Japan declining but but majority are saying, no, 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 those government efforts didn't make a difference in terms of Japan declining, whether it was Japanese corporate de- uh, decisions and so on. So uh, based on these kind of judgment, they're saying, well, they have been saying, you know, United States, what they're trying, is not going to make a much difference. But the thing is, thing is, as we talk about these kind of issues, what we see happening is in a very broad front, we see all these, you know, changes actually taking place, uh, not only... Uh, you know, open RAN, not only semiconductors, but in a big picture, you know, we've seen the rise of IPEF uh, in the Pacific Economic Forum where, you know, there's so many countries are participating to kind of, everybody's saying we're not excluding China, but we know China is being excluded. That's their their main main target. And uh, different areas such as, uh, you know, even minerals, you know, they set up so-called mineral security partnership. United States has uh, set that up with UK, Germany, France, Canada, Japan, mm-hmm. Korea being part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Also Australia, Finland, Sweden, you, you name it, like all these different names. So uh, mm-hmm. to sum it up, what we are saying is uh, United States is trying what the experts call mini-lateralism. It's not multilateralism, but mm-hmm. mini-lateralism where a lot of different countries are participating. United States is taking advantage of this alliance formation in order to exclude China, isolate China. Mm. And we, we do understand, we talked about this in this program before, the origin, everything started from Chinese own decision to 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 change, bring change into global supply mm. chain. We know that for sure. So China started it, but the U.S. response in recent years and especially last year has been pretty wide in scope and dramatic in terms of its magnitude and everything so so things are happening it looks like these are real uh, changes that are taking place so we are very much uh, you know keen to see what kind of tangible effect it will bring uh, to our table of our daily consumptions and Professor Kim, as we've talked about this segment numerous times before, the great balancing act will have to continue for South Korea. So going forward, what should Korea then keep in mind, be mindful of while cooperating with the United States? Yeah, no, I, I guess during the previous government, Moon Jae-in, uh, during like a midpoint of time during his government and so on, a lot of people were talking about balancing between China and the United States, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, working with China for economic affairs and then working very closely with the United States for security affairs. Uh, and that time looks like it's passed. looks like uh, uh, Korea is now, whether out of its own independent decision or not, uh, 
over time is firmly on the side of the United States now. And so that that's a, that's a reality. That's mm-hmm. something that, that we have to deal with. It looks like it's a human situation. And in, in, in facing that, I guess we have to be keen in terms of being a realist, uh, mm-hmm. clear give and take. So in mm-hmm. that regard, for instance, the Inflation Reduction Act and its effect on Korean electric vehicles, uh, you know, uh, uh, subsidies in the United States and how Korean automakers are suffering as a result of it. And Korea is uh, has been trying a lot, you know, to change it, but not much of substantive change so far. But on those kind of issues, we really have to produce results. You know, if we are joining in the United States, we have to have tangible clear benefit from it 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 will have to be clear give and take Uh, so that's what we'll have to focus on we'll have Mm. to be a realist Mm. and in making these changes bringing these changes we have to have our own gain uh you know in terms of our benefits and so on so we will have to be a realist i think that's the point that i want to make today Mm, be a realist to make better deals a give and take you couldn't be more concise thank you very much professor kim for today's conversation we'll speak to you again next week Okay, thank you very much. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.